coming up, we introduce you to Gravwell with a compelling solution to an interesting problem. And if we've got time, the biggest surprise they've had since launching the product. Terry Mason joins us to teach us how to build a third-party risk management system from the ground up. So you know there's some lessons learned in that. And we're going to cover the big trend of the week in our innovation section. Hint, it's not going to surprise you when we identify it. All right, it's dad jokes weekend, I guess. Uh, so we got all sorts of updates in the world of security innovation. Business Security Weekly starts now. This is Security Weekly. For security professionals, by security professionals. Broadcasting live from G-Unit Studios in Rhode Island, it's the show about security startups, how to secure your startup, and advice for security startups, it's Business Security Weekly. Brought to you by... Are you getting pressure to improve your data security? Would you like a faster, easier, better way to patch? Then you need to check out Automox. Automox is a cloud-native platform that patches and manages every endpoint, even remote servers and devices, including Windows, Mac, Linux, and third-party software from a single dashboard. Improve your cyber hygiene, reduce your attack surface, and save 90% of the effort you spend patching. Automox, your patching system of record. Do you have a website, an external presence, employees, an office? Any of these things can be compromised and attacked. How are you defending your assets? Have you penetration tested your public assets? Start 2018 by taking a proactive approach to securing your vulnerable areas. Black Hills Information Security has been helping companies find their weaknesses since 2008. Email consulting at blackhillsinfosec.com and see how they can help you sleep better at night. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Business Security Weekly. We've made it to episode number 86, recorded Monday, May 21st, 2018. We're coming up on that two-year mark, Paul, so this is exciting stuff. This is the show where we explore the business of security to improve the security of business. Our goal is to be your trusted source for actionable insights on leadership, communication, and innovation. I'm still Michael Santarcangelo, your straight-talking guide to overcome friction, translate your value and understanding, and elevate the performance to get the results you want. Joining me from G-Unit Studios in Rhode Island, your friend and mine, Paul Asadorian. What's going on, everyone? Uh, I don't know about that. I just kind of wake up. I you laugh at that dad joke. I, I did. I like to, well, because I'm a dad and I have those same kind of dad jokes <laughs> I know. all the time. <laughs> I, I get it. What's going on, dude? I'm excited. I'm feeling kind of inspired today. I don't know. I already have ideas. Dude, it's uh, it's. It's been good. You know, it's, I was, we were talking before the show. I've been, I keep trying to come up with ways to improve our programming and, and our, our production of everything, uh, you know, where I can from our end. And I've been figuring out some different ways to track show notes. And I'm loving the fact that we're getting the prep of people ahead of time, really think about it, stitch it all together. So, you know, bad dad jokes aside, I think things are really going well. So I'm, uh, I'm excited about that. Awesome. We got a packed show too. We have a packed show. One of the things we've been trying to do in, in response to everybody talking to us is, is find people that have really cool solutions to problems or that have knowledge that they're willing to share. And uh, so this episode is going to be one where we've got two different guests. Um, well, actually, I guess three guests, but guests per segment trying to help us out. And then we've got more of that planned as we roll out to June and beyond. So it's exciting stuff. And our first segment welcomes our friends and our partners from Gravwell. Uh, and I'm going to let, I mean, 
their background is kind of impressive, and we're going to get into like how they got their start and everything else. But what I really like about this is this is that chance where on this program in particular, we get to look at the innovation and ask about, well, how did that start? How did you do this? How did you figure that out? And what have you learned? But these guys are some of the first that can answer some questions around value. So you know I've got really excited. Uh, and then they've got an interesting surprise um, and a, you know, a couple of things that they're looking for. So it's a lot of fun. So Corey, Chris, welcome to Business Security Weekly. Hey, thanks. Uh, thanks a lot for having us on. Appreciate it. Yeah, Love what you. you guys do. So this is exciting. All right. So tell us then, you know, because especially when we always look at startups, it's kind of like, all right, how did you guys get your start? Not in security, but how did you guys figure out that you had a startup and, and what was kind of the, the origin story of Gravwell? So I guess I'll jump in here. It's it's fair to say we won't really have that inflection point where we say, you know, okay, let's start a company. Really, this started when, you know, Corey and I came out of the National Lab Systems and we were, you know, working some problems in the, sort of the government space. And at the time, we were working one where uh, one of the national labs was doing a very large analytics program, and they were answering some really weird freeform questions. Uh, one of them that popped up was, you know, what happens when the internet reboots? And you kind of chuckle and say, oh, what does that mean? But they were asking the question, you know, uh, how long does it take for 100,000 uh, OSPF routes to converge? You know, what are these, some of the emergent behaviors? You know, what happens when you actually stand this thing up, pull the actual routes, pull the latencies, pull the jitter, and then reboot it? And... Uh, at the time, you know, we, we had built up the analytics platform and, and needed a way of actually understanding what was happening in a system that large with that many moving pieces, that many parts, and then asking questions that we really didn't know that we were going to need to ask. So, you know, unstructured data, large analytics or large uh, analytics analysis platforms. And as we started moving forward, we found a few things that sort of were really biting us. Um, one was performance. You know, when you, at the time, multi-core was, was really starting to hit its stride. Uh, the idea of having 30, 60 CPUs in a single box was not that unheard of. And then we also found that you know binary became extraordinarily important. You know, asking is is my is my has my network converged is a difficult question to ask answer when you've only got text. And then when we were working through some of our problems trying to get uh, you know those types of things converted to text, we found that text was a dominating factor, and we and we just couldn't accomplish some of the tasks we needed to do in the time frame we needed to do it. And then performance started to really become a problem where you know Corey has a great line. Where you know when you've you've got half a million dollars of Uncle Sam's hardware and you issue a query and four cores light up, that's kind of <laughs> unacceptable. And then the the other thing we ran into was pricing. I mean, there were a couple occasions where you know we had a question where I needed the raw OSPF routes in real time, and I couldn't store it because the license wouldn't allow me to. And that sort of was what kicked off the engineering brain of hey, maybe we can do this better. Let's try this, and we started moving forward. And it wasn't until we had a platform that was actually functioning and working and saving us time on day to day. Did Corey kind of look at it, Corey and I look at each other and go, you know, this seems to have a tremendous amount of value for us. Is it time to jump in and make a company? Yeah, I think my teams at various jobs could have used that because their question was always, how long does it take everything to converge after Paul finishes scanning the network and crashes all the routers? That, <laughs> that, I'm just saying that might have been posed at, at some times. <laughs> and it's, it's a surprisingly difficult question to answer. Is it on? Mm-hmm. And so how did that translate into the solution that you have today? Yeah, so uh, we started out um, just sort of testing out some prototypes uh, with the idea, right? Because it's, it's sort of a big elephant. And uh, when we first uh, began down this road, we didn't quite know how big it was when we started. Uh, because in order to accomplish what we needed, there wasn't really open source solutions out there that we could start building off of. So we had to start from scratch. 
which meant uh, building out some very basic systems, uh, syscall to syscall, and demonstrating and proving hypothesis. And we sort of just kept iterating off of that. Uh, so start off as you know a nights and weekends thing, um, and then we bootstrapped uh, part time with computer security consulting. Uh, and then it wasn't until last year when we um, uh, took a seed funding round and launched in earnest, where we actually looked at each other and said, "Hey, uh, you know, this is actually pretty awesome. Uh, we would totally have used this. So uh, there's got to be people out there who are running into the same problems that we did initially." Uh, and then we took that, uh, found uh, found some investment, and, and launched the company and started growing, growing to uh, try and help people with the same problems that we had. I think that's how a lot of great now, get- products and projects start, right? You're solving a problem for yourself. Yeah. And certainly that's, you know, a, a compelling story in and of itself. That's certainly how John Strand and I started. We had a problem, we solved it for ourselves, mm-hmm. and we're like, hey, other people probably have the same problem. Let's see if we can solve it for them. Exactly. Yeah, and that's an interesting thing too, right? Because some people miss it. Like, oh, well, if I have the problem, everybody has it. What I think is interesting about your approach, though, guys, is that you started to realize that other people, in fact, did have that problem. So that's kind of neat. Are you still doing some services as part of keeping everything going? Or were you actually able to make the transition to full-time product development, of course, with support of the people using it? Yeah, uh, we we did transition fully to the product side of things because we knew that uh, at this point, uh, dedicating to the software was going to be crucial, which is one of the reasons why that led us to go out and and seek out um, our our investment fundings that we could support that. So we we got in touch with uh, Ron Gula, Ron and Cindy at Gula Tech Adventures, and they're the the ones who led our our seed round. And they've been great because they, uh, you know, Ron, uh, as founder of Tenable, has been through this as well. Um, and so getting connected with somebody who has sort of lived uh, what we are attempting to do from the business sense uh, has been great. But that has enabled us to concentrate 100% on the products that we could go out there, uh, develop the additional features, um, talk with our customers and, uh, and incorporate their ideas into the roadmap, um, trying to validate our assumptions. And that has been something that we've continually had happened uh, week after week since going live full time in July is uh, is these these assumptions are true. These are pre problems that people are happening. But, um, you know, sort of as you've been teasing about a little bit, uh, some some things have been unexpected in terms of how, you know, once you create something and you give it to someone, whether it's art, whether it's software or whatever, you no longer actually fully own that thing and they turn it into what they uh, need or, or how they perceive it. And it's, uh, they do that in ways that surprise you often. So, uh, and, that's and we're going to come back to that. And in fact, cause I already talked about through the remarkable time, the value. So let's set this up the way we normally would. What, what's the problem that you solve and, and then how do you solve it? Yeah. So we solve the problem where uh, people in organizations are overwhelmed with data that's coming in. And they need a platform that enables them to get up and running as fast as possible, not to not have to know what they don't know. That enables them to perform the analytics on the data, rapidly explore the data, build out useful dashboards, uh, useful views into the data, so then they can make their organization better. Not just um, and not just for security. Security is our our first. Uh, vertical, I guess, our area, because that's Chris and my background, That's and that's our connections. But the the mission of Gravewell is to enable organizations to accomplish their mission. 
by turning data into uh, actual usable uh, information and an actionable intelligence. Yeah, and what I like when I was talking with you guys is, is uh, and I'm, I'm going to boil it down. So, so tell me if I got the nuance uh, here off, but it's kind of like a any, 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 like you, you can bring me any data that you've got, including that binary data, like uh, the, the NetFlow and the PCAP data, and I can correlate it to anything. And oh, by the way, if you've already got an existing solution, I'll just make it work better because you can do that correlation. You can capture the data that, that it might struggle with and you can do that correlation. And so therefore you can, you can do it faster. Did I get that about right? Absolutely. Yeah. So let's talk about the value then, because this is the part I was kind of excited. You already said, hey, this is saving us time. We dig it. And you've got what I think is pretty remarkable time to value. In fact, what I'm more excited about is that when I asked you about value, like, oh, yeah, here's an example. So give us the example of how someone might experience value uh, from this product. So I guess uh, we have like a, a very concrete case that surprised even Corey and I. Um, part of the, the the benefit of the structure and the application is that it's it's truly unstructured. So and to hand us data is a byte slice and a timestamp. That's it. So we actually entered into a customer site. Um, we started gathering data. By the end of the day, we had all the logs and all of the uh, some of the binary data flowing into the system. Um, we really didn't understand what was there yet. It was just a matter of collecting, getting a central location. And then towards the end of the first day that we were there, we started asking for fairly freeform questions. And, and we were actually able to find that there were some, some abnormalities where at certain times of the day, um, some codes were thrown that were different than anything else. And you know, in less than eight hours, we were able to go from zero to a functioning system up and actually have some analysis and go back to the customer and say, hey, did you know that, you're, that you have a slight you know, spike of these codes that we didn't understand? We didn't know what they were. We just saw that this was a field that looked different. And then take it to developers. And then the developers could turn around and say, yes, this, this custom log format and our custom application stack was throwing this code. And this code means this. And I didn't know that was happening. Because there was you know, a volumes and an unstructured nature of their, their logging system that the only way they could actually see it is aggregate it and start to ask those freeform questions. So you know, it, was, it was eight hours to there was a problem they didn't even know they had. Yeah, and uh, another concrete example along that line for the any any is uh, is some of the existing solutions that are out on the market um, require a lot of upfront development and and care and feeding to be able to get them up and running stuff that's uh, you know more structured or expects specific data, and so we had one customer who had spent two years uh, working on getting getting a platform uh, up and running before they actually started to get value out of it. Wow, which is um, it, it's not an uncommon story, but uh, uh, and there are reasons for that. Uh, but we but we came in and we said, well, why don't if, if this is part of that plugging into existing infrastructure that you mentioned is why don't you just uh, set up a, a Grubwell instance, start feeding it. You can just throw stuff in there uh, for all the reasons that Chris just said, just start ingesting everything. And then using the query language and the APIs, why don't you then feed that into your system that requires this very specific structure, this, this given schema layout, and then that will help improve your existing processes so that adding new stuff doesn't require uh, you know, another X number of man weeks just to get uh, the new schema into the system. You can use your existing ones and sort of massage the data and feed it in. And that's how we were able to help out that customer there in terms of just straight time to value. So uh, whether that's using us or directly and then uh, getting the value out of the tool or using it alongside your existing solutions, the, the ingest first and ask questions later really opens up that kind of uh, rapid iteration and you're constantly getting value as you work forward. So, um, you know, it's quick setup, 
value, 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 instead of we buy and then now we have to work, 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 and then maybe we get the value out of it. Or try open source and have to work, 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 and work some more. I'm, I'm yeah. thinking of traditional, you know, like Elk Stacks, for right, example, right. or ones that I've experimented with. And it's a lot of work to get it customized, mm -hmm. to get the data in there, to write your queries, to customize it for you. Um, and I think you're kind of hitting on that problem that people are experienced because you see a talk or you read a paper or a blog post and you get really excited about, oh, I can take this open source thing called Kibana and mm -hmm. it's just like magic, right? But it, then you find out it's, it's really not. Yeah. And, <laughs> and we, um, I mean, there's a new startup every week almost that's built on top of Elk. Mm -hmm. um, and, and, you know, as I said, we're Syscall to Syscall because we looked at the problem. We said Elk is great for what it does. If you have a very specific data setup and you want to do that, you can build that out and you get great insights out of it. And that works fantastic. But if you get in a situation where, you know, like you just said, Paul, you don't know what you don't know uh, and, and you're, you're needing to be more flexible, then, then it wouldn't work for us. So that's why we chose to, uh, chose to develop the way that we did. Well, and I think that the approach and technology selection is something that we need to do uh, a, a good job of educating our leaders in security today that this kind of thing matters, that when vendors come to you and they're like, oh, we have an elk stack, like understanding at a high level why that probably won't work for your situation. It may work in other situations, but maybe not this one, I think is something that's important for business leaders to to understand. Absolutely. Yeah. And that, that fits into that where we talk about impact, right? Mm -hmm. So how do you work with my other systems? And, and you know, because what I'm always looking at is you describe the problem, you offer me a value with a time to value, which I think is fantastic. And then that impact is, look, I can, I can work with anything, right? Ingest first, ask questions later. I can make the existing systems you have more efficient or more effective, depending on, or I guess in most cases, both. But it's also, it's asking those underlying things. Like, look, we, we looked at the problem different. We built it this way. That's always, like, I'm always fascinated when, when I say to somebody, all right, how'd you do it? And I go, well, we kind of looked at it different than everybody else and came up with X. And it's, it's pretty compelling. All right, so what was the surprise then? Looking at the way that you ingest data and then act, let people act on it later, as you started looking at how people were using this, what was the surprise? The, uh, it's, it's, I guess uh, I'm, I'm maybe somewhat ashamed of this now, but compliance is a dirty word. I used to think so. I recognize. going to you know, blurt it out. A, yeah. Compliance. That's the answer. Stop. Yeah, we got to bleep that. Uh, but no, honestly, uh, compliance, but in multiple uh, regards. So you've got you've got compliance in, in terms of, um, uh, you know, the, the logs, but also compliance in, in other areas. So our background, uh, we mentioned that we were at the Department of Energy National Labs. And so uh, control systems, uh, energy is an area where compliance is is really has a different meaning than most uh, IT people might be familiar with. Uh, like if you're if you're making pharmaceuticals and you want to sell your product, you have to prove that you created or you complied with the necessary stuff. So compliance data is especially important there. And uh, because of the way that our system operates, when we ingest an entry, we keep that entry forever. Uh, or or it, we make that fully up to the customer to be able to choose when that happens. And as, so all of our insights in Grabwell are based off of that underlying data, that ground truth was something that we wanted to put in the hands of people and always be building off of the ground truth instead of off of some kind of normalization or metadata or whatnot. Um, obviously, we enable that for people for like long-term data retention, but uh, but focusing on that ground truth really opened up in this area of compliance that we weren't really expecting so that people could say, we, we sort of act as a universal historian in that regard. 
where you just start feeding data, whether that's your logs uh, for, for privacy compliance or whether that's your raw data coming off of your PLCs uh, for regulatory compliance in terms of I ICS, like we mentioned. Um, just being able to have all of that as your agent of record and then age it out intelligently and put it in our system for, for later use uh, has has been something that uh, I guess I wouldn't have anticipated. That wasn't the product that we set out to build. Um, but, uh, but, you know, I guess we'll take it. Has that turned into a talking point? Or is it, I mean, like, like looking at that and going, oh, and by the way, did you know, had you looked at this? Because it, that's kind of, that, that, that shocks me a little bit. Not, not, but to your point, surprise. Whoa, is this what we set out to do? But it seems to me then a lot of the folks that are going to be in this situation solving that problem might now perk up and go, oh, wait a minute. So are you finding yeah. that, that that is interesting to people? I, I think it's extremely interesting to Chris and I because we didn't set out to do something specific, and maybe that's uh, um, counterintuitive to say uh, when you're when you're creating a company, right? You want to have your specific roadmap. But what I mean is that we set out to enable people to explore data in new ways that's not possible before, and in doing so, we knew that people were going to use it in strange strange ways that we didn't anticipate. So our use case internally and throughout the development has been security. But to see people use it for compliance was not something that we originally anticipated, but it was absolutely what we set out to do. We want to be able to have people, to, to make people better at correlating, searching, analyzing their data, no matter where it comes from, whether you're talking DevOps logs or you want to do some business analytics and say, uh, you know, given my different product lines over time, how do I see sales affecting this? If we change this, does that actually, uh, you know, can we get our sales up by turning the knobs over here on these areas? And being able to allow people to ask those kinds of questions is absolutely what we set out to do, even if that's not something that we are uh, individually doing with the tool, uh, you know, our, ourselves or, or at Grabble. And if I can answer your question very directly, I, it has become a talking point, but I think it was largely because Corey and I were, were using the wrong words. From our perspective, we, we are thinking from a hunt perspective, where if I don't have the raw underlying record, you know, the raw packet, the raw log, I can't, there are some details and some artifacts I can't see. Um, but you, you roll that to a compliance perspective, you know, to submit this as a legal document, I need the raw thing. So, I mean, the words are different, but I think the question and the outcome is the same. Mm -hmm. That's a great point. And that, that's an important thing that we look at a lot is the ability to go work with those customers, have that insight, learn their language. Because the way we describe it, it's nice, but if right. it doesn't connect with the people we're trying to help, you know, then we're kind of missing out. All right, so yeah. let's talk then about what it's like as a startup trying to, to build up that traction. So you guys got your first round, big deal, congratulations. You're, you're working with somebody that, that we're big fans of on the show. Um, and so what... There's two things we can talk about, and we'll, we'll go the order you want. I know you're looking for some companies to work with. We can talk about that. But I also know you're launching a free tier soon. And I think that's a really mm -hmm. fascinating strategy. And I know Paul's got some experience doing something similar with that. So what, what do you guys want to talk about first? What you're looking for to try to get traction or how you're going to use a free tier maybe to drive some of that? Yeah, sure. We'll do it in that order. That, that works out. So, um, I mean, candor is something that's important to us as a company. We... Um, we are honest with customers and, and uh, about ourselves. And so one of the challenges with startups is this catch-22, especially when you're doing B2B uh, you know, enterprise software, is uh, you're too small to get big customers, but because big customers won't work with people who are too small. And uh, it, it's like coming out of school and trying to get a job 
uh, must have five years experience, but no one will hire people to give them five years experience. So that's, uh, that. I mean, that's a challenge that's going to face any startup doing enterprise sales. Um, and, and we're honest about that. So what we're trying to do is not um, when it comes to finding customers during this first year, especially finding the right customer is crucial. And we're not looking for um, customers so much as, I mean, at this stage in our company, let's be honest, it's, it's more of a partnership, right? We're, we're yep. an agile shop able to meet the needs of whoever we're working with and uh, taking their input and, and bringing that into the roadmap and making sure that uh, we're accomplishing their goals. So when we talk about compliance, uh, that might not have been something that Chris and I originally set out to do. But of course, if, if uh, one, of the, one of our initial customers that we're working with, that's a value to them then that becomes a value to to us because of the current stage of the company and the advantages. So there's obviously disadvantages uh, with working with a new startup that nobody's going to tell you that there aren't. Um, but the advantages, I think, uh, uh, outweigh those. So for the right company, though, obviously, if a company is not interested in working on that cutting edge, not interested in working with, you know, innovation, new stuff, then we wouldn't be the right choice. And uh, and I and we'll tell them we'll tell people that as they as they come in. So. Um, that, well, that and is I'm confident. I'm confident that the that that the audience, the listeners to this program, we spend a lot of time talking about how to work with startups, how to de-risk it, how to invest mm -hmm. in that partnership. So naturally, I'm encouraged the fact that you guys are looking for exactly that because it, it feels like a good fit for us. So who? So somebody's listening right now, saying, "Well, do, is it me? Like, could, what? Give me like two or three things that would help you identify it, it might be a good fit." So if somebody's listening and they go, "I this is an interesting problem. I have that, and I can help them. I can help them." understand it better, get some traction, be a good reference for them. Uh, what what do you think so far would be a good fit for you? I, th I think to jump in, it's there's sort of three sort of core criteria. One, um, you have a very large and varied infrastructure. If you have an extremely well-defined set of data, we may not be the right tool for you. I mean, it's going back to sort of elk stand, if, right. if everything is fully normalized, there may be better tools. Um, two, probably a little higher skill individual. Um, we're, we're, we're a platform that's designed to be uh, query dynamically and it's a platform that's designed to sort of grow with you. So it's, you know, partnerships and people that are ready to sort of tackle problems that either they don't, that they have a little bit of a handle of what the problem areas are, but they don't have a really hard to find solution set. And two, and are looking for the very rapid turnaround. You know, if as you approach a question, uh, be willing to sort of work with us, help us define that question, help us define sort of how you would like to get it, how your output is, and have a little bit of a turnaround where it's not a, you know, here's a formalized uh, change request. It's, you know, we want to work with you. We want to build out those things. We want to make that that time to value or that value proposition be a, a curve and not a step function. So it's it's more of the view us more as a partnership in solving your problems and less of a product to make demands of. Is that fair, Corey? Yeah, I think so. And and the other thing is, um, I mean, almost everybody's got some data that they're dropping on the floor because of, of pricing or whatnot. So I don't, I don't think we've mentioned this specifically, but that's an area where I think Chris or I could either rant for at least five minutes uh, when it comes to how all the other solutions on the market price, um, where, you're, where you're doing it based off of the amount of gigabytes per day that you're ingesting or something, uh, that's uh, stupid because uh, I think it's counterintuitive. Uh, and it counter it counter to the whole reason why you're doing data analytics in the first place. You want to get as much data as possible. So for us, we say, hey, every license of Gravel is unlimited, unlimited data, no matter what. And instead we scale based on the number of nodes. So for companies who are, uh, they have existing tools in, they're using them, they're, they're getting value out of those. Uh, but there is some data that they're not because of either pricing or, or they're not sure and not willing to invest in that potential hypothesis. 
we make that super easy uh, because of our pricing model alone, almost. So taking in and and building alongside that is good because as Chris sort of uh, maybe to put it succinctly is some level of maturity in the organization, whether that's on the technical security side uh, or just being able to work with new startups because you have that maturity and understand uh, the risk and de-risking, then I think those, those, are the, those are the things we're looking for. No, that, that sounds good. And I actually, I, I'm glad you talked about some of that pricing and that investment and the ways to think about it. Because what's kind of interesting is that in talking about the problem that you, that you solve, you've uncovered some pretty interesting consequences that sometimes we don't think about, right? We can we can sweep those away. So now you're also then looking at having a free tier. Tell us a little bit about that, when you think it's gonna happen, and we're not gonna hold you to it. I, I, I get timelines on it, but then why? What, what's driving that? Yeah, so right now we have a free 14-day trial as is. So that that's, and that's unlimited data, exists for 14 days. But uh, the thing that Chris and I have been kicking around is saying, so because of that pricing model and uh, our, our infrastructure, our tech stack, um, because of how we built the system, it doesn't necessarily make a lot of sense on the very small level. Um, like because because the smallest sort of unit that we have is a single node. And a single node is overkill for organizations doing around two, three, four gigabytes a day. It's just, uh, it, it's, uh, it's too much. And so that's the thing that we're kicking around that we would really like some feedback on. It sounds like you guys think it's a good idea. So maybe we'll, uh, that maybe that's enough. Um, but uh, feedback from potential people who, who would be interested in that free tier, uh, where if we just said, you know, if you're doing two gigabytes a day, even though that's not how we price, uh, just just have a free license that'll do that much. Well, I, I, I'm, I'm actually really curious how Paul looks at it. Here, here's how I look at anything. When you can offer something with a free tier, uh, I'll start with the risk. The risk to it is you give out so much that nobody sees a need to convert. They, they don't mm -hmm. necessarily see value in it. They don't they don't pay for it. But if a free tier gives somebody a taste, it solves some aspect of the problem, lets them see how it integrates, lets them validate out the claims of, I can solve this problem, uh, I'm going to create this value, and here's what the net impact of it's going to be. And, and they can say, all right, well, let me try it. And they can spin it up for free uh, or exceptionally low cost, try it out and start saying, wow, what if we could do this or this or this? And so I think it's always, the, the trick to it is, how do you get that right? And as you pointed out, there are some folks that really aren't necessarily going to benefit until they get bigger. So getting them started now for free makes a lot of sense. It's just getting people prepped for that transition as they take a look at it. But I think as a startup, what better way than to say, here, try it. We'll walk you through mm -hmm. it. Because think about all the feedback you're going to get. And, and that might be the risk for you. It might be too much. But I don't know, Paul, you've looked at stuff like this. You've, you've done things like this. What do you think? Yeah, there's. I could, I could probably talk for like a half an hour about <laughs> my thoughts on that. Obviously, there's some risk, right? And the risk is, is kind of like almost like a three-tier, right? It, the first risk is they may try it and the experience on their own, they're like, nah, this isn't for me, right? And maybe that's a good thing too because you're kind of weeding mm -hmm. out people that probably aren't going to work with you at that stage in the game anyhow. And they might come back. You know, the second thing is people just use it for free and, and that's what they're going to use. And sometimes it's really difficult to do the upsell and drag people kicking and screaming to like do more than what you're giving them for free. Um, the third scenario is kind of, I think, the worst one where they figure out some way to abuse your free license to use it beyond what the free license mm -hmm. provides them. And they're just abusing it. Now, that can also be an opportunity because you can, and you're a data analytics platform, for lack of a better term, 
um, you could probably figure that out pretty quickly. Like who are the customers that we think might be extending beyond where the free license is and go have a conversation with them and say, so really like, how do you want to use it and how do we need to package it and price it so that, uh, you know, we, we can do better and serve and serve your needs. So those are just some of my initial thoughts, Michael and guests. No, I, and, and I like it. So let's do this. Uh, if you're listening right now, let us know how you do this. So if you're a decision maker or an influencer in your organization and you've looked at it, Tell us, you know, write in and tell us, yeah, I, I love it when people do something free. No, I don't care. No, I just need a free trial. No, it just needs to be limited. None of this even matters. I don't know why you guys talked about it. I, I'm just kind of curious your take on it and any other insights. And then the last thing I guess that I've, I've kind of learned in the process is as a startup, anything you can do that gets traction is awesome. What I might suggest to you is it's time limited. Like you can say, hey, for, the, for a limited time, we're going to run this. When someone goes, well, what's the limited time? Say, well, till we don't. But that way you're not you're not offering it'll be free for life forever. You're saying, look, we're mm-hmm. trying to get some traction. We're trying to figure it out. If you're in this situation, it's free. If you're in this situation, we really want to work with you and and prove the value to you. Like I I, I don't know, that's my, my take on it. But I but I like it. I like at least looking for a way to give people a taste. All right. Either free or some sort of a low end subscription that then builds them up into to what they might actually need. So I like it. Mm-hmm. I would also make the argument Gen- that the taste goes both ways. I mean, we've been surprised based on functionality once before. And so if part of the free tier in that sort of arrangement to the customer is if you've got uh, things that you're doing with it that we didn't anticipate, let us know. We'll work with you. We'll expand on those those use cases. Yeah. yeah. And and I think the way that you guys are going about solving this problem, I think it's kind of interesting. And if you've developed syscall to syscall level stuff, that's going to be a little harder for somebody to come in and knock off right away. So it gives you a chance to develop that out, build it out, and really get that flavor of where people are using it. So I like that a lot. All right, so somebody's interested. Where do they find you? Where do they get more information? How do they get more? Yeah, so you can check us out. Gravwell.io is the website. Um, there's a link right there to the download trial if you if you want to get the downloadable. That runs for 14 days, like we said. Um, if we if we come up with a free tier, that would be where you'd show up. Um, a lot of great documentation, use cases, that kind of thing is through our blog. That's where we put uh, uh, you know, advice for how to use it, uh, deployment advice using Docker, or different things like that in, in the documentation. So uh, those, if you go to the website, check that out, but make sure you look at the, uh, at the blog if you're interested in, in specific use cases or, or whatnot. And then, of course, uh, definitely email us, uh, info at growlball.io. For, for any feedback or, or anything um, related to or questions or anything out of, out of the discussion today. That's fantastic. Well, that's good stuff. And I, I'm excited that we get to now make some of these introductions and bring people to it. We're going to take a quick break, which is a good chance to check us out at securityweekly.com. Check out, we got seven shows, eight if you like cigars. Mm-hmm. And you can check out our on-demand content. When we come back, how to build the third-party risk management system from SoundCloud. 